Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. Have you ever found yourself asking, I just wish I knew what Jesus wanted. I'd just do it if I knew what God wanted. I've got this big decision to make. I, I have this situation in my life, and if I just knew what God wanted, I'd be glad to do it. Well, we have some good news this morning. God has standing orders. Standing orders are orders that don't change. They are true and they are sure. They are significant in every situation. So this morning, we want to spend some time looking at 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter. And we want to sing about this. We want to pray about this. We want to study about this. And we want our period of worship to be a reminder to all of us this morning of how blessed we are that we can know what we need to do in every situation. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18, the standing orders are this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see, the Greek even here has imperatives that bring all of this into the present tense. That's what on one hand we can say makes this a challenge, but it's also on the other hand what makes this such a comfort and so rewarding to all of us. For example, notice here, it, this would be very easy to do, but this isn't what he said. He didn't say rejoice sometimes, pray occasionally, give thanks when you feel like it or when something has been good in your opinion. But notice, instead we have words like always, without ceasing, in everything. You see, what we're looking at here, it is so much. It is larger. It is deeper. It is more important than just what is going on around you in your life. Someone said, I can't rejoice all the time. I, I can't give thanks in everything. Oh, we can if we understand that what God is talking about here is bigger than just what is happening around you. It's about what God has done and what God is continuing to do and what God will do in the future. You see, it's about what is in you. The one that's in you is greater than the one in the world. It's about the kingdom, not the world that we live in. And it's about the work that God is involved in, not just the secular things of the day. And so as we think about this first one for just a moment, we just sung about it. Rejoice always. I'd like for you to think with me for just a moment. And, and not that I recommend these translations or versions for you to make this your complete study Bible, but more of just a commentary. Notice what the messenger says about rejoice always. The messenger says, be cheerful no matter what. Philip's translation says, be happy in your faith at all times. Now we'll pause there for just a moment. How? How can you be happy at all times? How can you have rejoicing at all times? It is because of the message that we received as mankind. We read about it in Luke the second chapter. A child was born. Look with me if you will to Luke 2 verse 10 and 11. Luke 2, 10 and 11. Then the angel said to them, 
Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings. Now listen, that phrase there, good tidings, is where we get the idea of evangelism. It is the idea that good news that is supposed to be announced. And so he says, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy. In other words, it doesn't matter what is happening in your life right now. It doesn't change the great news that was delivered some 2,000 years ago. No matter what you're dealing with right now, and it's not that what you're dealing with isn't important, but it doesn't change what Jesus did 2,000 years ago of coming to this earth. We have great tidings. We have good news of great joy to present. And nothing in our lives or nothing in this world can change that great news that brings great joy. And notice where that came from in verse 11. It was to all people in verse 10, verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So where does this joy go to so that it can come from? John 15 and 11. These things I've spoken to you, Jesus said, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So it's not joy from everything going on around us. It's the joy that the Lord gives us. It's within us and it's greater than anything that's going on around us. That's why when David was losing sight of that joy because he was losing sight of that relationship with God in Psalms 51, notice he prayed not only for salvation to be restored, but he prayed in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Do you have joy this morning? Do you have joy because Jesus has saved you? Do you have joy this morning because Jesus came to this earth leaving the riches of heaven to take on the poverty of mankind to die for you? Do you have joy this morning because they went to that tomb on that Sunday morning and it was found empty and there was great rejoicing on this earth? Do you have joy this morning because you have the hope of eternal life and it doesn't matter what happens to you today, it's not going to change your faith in God and you have that joy. Listen, when we understand that joy, it becomes good tidings. We can't help but tell people about the things that we really enjoy. Have you ever had great news? Sure you have. What's the hardest thing to do with great news? Not tell anybody. It's the hardest thing in the world. Somebody says, I want to tell you something exciting. You get all excited and they say, you can't tell anybody. You're like, why did you tell me? We have great news, good tidings. You know, the duck commander, Phil Robertson, has made quite a splash in the duck hunting community for a lot of years, but now, Several of the rest of the world is catching on to this unique family that is also uh, a very godly family. Phil is an elder in the church. And what a lot of people don't know about him is that he's not just religious. He'll tell the story of Jesus Christ to anyone who will listen. As a matter of fact, several years ago, uh, a man called and placed an order on the phone for some of his duck calls and supplies and and after the fifth time this man had cursed the name of God, he interrupted the man and he said, why? Why would you curse the only being that has the power to save you? And the line was silent. And he said, are you there? Why? And finally the guy spoke up and said, do you have my order? He said, I do. 
He said, fine, and he hung up the phone. About 10 minutes later, the guy called back again. He said, you know who this is? He said, no, I don't. Who is this? And he says, this is the guy that you asked the question to a while ago about God. And Phil said, the question is still on the table. I want to know why. And the guy said, I want you to know you've asked me a question that I have never considered in all of my life. And he said, I want you to know something. If I understand where I'm sending this order to, you're about 10 hours away from me. He said, yes. He said, if I were you, I would get in my car right now and I would drive to my house and I would ask me, tell me about the best story that's ever been told. And brother, I've got a story to tell you. And that guy said, I may do that. A week later, he got a knock on the door. This fella and another buddy of his stood at his door and he said, you know who I am? He says, no, I don't have any idea. He said, I'm the one you told me to come down here. You had a story to tell me. He said, come into my living room and sat down. He told the story of Jesus Christ and all that he had done for him. And those two men began to weep. And then he, they responded in a righteous manner. And he said, let's walk down to the river. And where Phil has baptized hundreds of people he baptized those two men into Christ. Listen, we have a story to tell. And it is of good tidings. And there is nothing that's going to happen to you today that changes the fact that it is a good story. It's a story to rejoice in. It's a story to look forward to. And sure, there's going to be some difficult days. There's going to be some painful days. There'll be some good days. But nothing should change the faith the love and the joy that we have because of our Lord. Now, if you really, really had joy in the story of Jesus, how would you sing about it? Let's consider that as we see. Pray without ceasing. Have you ever called someone and the phone didn't ring and then you pause for a moment and think, why didn't the phone ring? And then you realize they're on the phone and it's kind of that weird moment of how long have we been on the phone together? I, I didn't know you were there. Have you ever thought of the relationship that God wants with you? Literally an open line. He wants us to continually be in prayer. As the Phillips translation says on the next slide, it says, never stop praying. Or the messenger says, pray all the time. God literally wants a relationship with us so that we would never not think of praying. Something great would happen and our first thought would be, I want to pray about this and thank God. Something tough and difficult would happen and our first thought is, I've got to lean upon God. He's the one that can get me through with this. And then even just what we would call a normal day, we would be so grateful that we would see God in it and continually give thanks. When we think about what are the characteristics of prayer that God would want us to have, first I'd like for you to see this morning, if we're going to pray without ceasing, we need to pray specifically. What are we to pray about? According to 1 Peter 5 and 7, the Lord wants to know whatever is on your heart and in your life. When he says, cast all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. He wants to know what are you concerned about, and he does not want you to worry about it or be anxious. In Philippians 4 and 6, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do you take 
very specific concerns that are in your life in prayer to God and stop worrying. If you do, you have a lot of joy, don't you? That's the joy that Christ can bring us. He's greater than anything that we face. But also we need to pray very deliberately. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus taught about prayer here in verse 6, and he says, But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Think about that phrase, and when you pray. The Lord assumes you have a time that you pray. Even here, he says, I want you to think about where you pray. He even is implying strongly here, I want you to think about when you pray when it's just you and God. It's wonderful that the church family comes together and we worship together and in that we pray. And it's wonderful when Christians get together and they pray together. But isn't it also interesting how many times in the Bible it is expected that Christians have a time and a place where they pray privately. When do you pray privately? Where is your place that you pray privately? You know, last year, this very same month, we did a lesson on the characteristics of Jesus' prayer life. And we looked at Mark, the first chapter, and where he said that in verse 35, where he got up early in the morning and he got up long before daylight and he went out and he found a solitary place and it says, and there he prayed. We talked about what it would be like, how it would change your life if you got up early in the morning just to pray, how would that change your day? A few months after that sermon, I received this correspondence. Hey, David, I just wanted to say thank you for encouraging me to do something I probably never would have thought to do on my own. When you suggested that we try and wake up early to spend time in prayer with God, I did it that following Monday morning. I'm sure this is something that most mature Christians have already figured out, but I never claimed to be mature yet, and this is simply an act of communication with my Heavenly Father first thing in the morning, and it is making a huge difference in my life. The first couple of weeks was a struggle, but then something funny happened. I began to look forward to it. Now I find myself waking up even earlier before the alarm clock goes off, so I'll have more time to pray. I'm not very good at it yet, and sometimes I accidentally drift off to sleep, but I'm always quick to acknowledge my weakness. You have to understand, I'm the kind of person that usually nothing, absolutely nothing comes between me and my sleep. But starting the day out this way really helps me walk closer with God and be more like Jesus. Who would have thought that such a minuscule adjustment to our 24-hour day could make such a huge difference? Just wanted to encourage you by letting you know that you've encouraged me through Christ. When is your time? Where is your place? God expects us to be very deliberate because after all, if that's who we are, we're people that never stop praying those are questions that we ought to be able to easily answer. But then also God wants us to pray repeatedly. You remember the story in Luke, the 11th chapter, about the man that was in bed and his neighbor had an unexpected guest and he came over in the middle of the night at midnight and he knocked on the door and said, give me three loaves of bread. And the man that is already in bed says about, you're troubling me and the door is shut and my children are in bed. I can't arise. 
But then in verse 8, Jesus kind of takes this probably in a turn that unless we read it before, we would never expect this. Look what he says in Luke 11 and 8. But I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be open to you. God says, I want you to pray without ceasing, and I don't want you to ever be afraid or ashamed to ask the second time, the third time, the 100th time, the 200th time. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, I'll give. Seek, I'll help you find it. Knock, I'll open the door for you. God wants us to do this repeatedly. Also, pray in an unselfish way. At the end of the Christian armor, in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, this paragraph ends in this way. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. And notice this and supplication for all the saints. And the very next phrase in the next verse says, and for me. Paul is saying, as you pray for all the saints, will you also pray for me? I would like it if you'd pray for me. And I also would hope that we all would be praying for each other. Uh, you notice the prayer boards are really cleaning out of, of individuals, praying for individuals, and that's wonderful. If you have your request, that someone has asked you to pray for in your pocket or in your purse this morning, be sure and put it back up on the board and take another one and we'll continually pray for each other all throughout this month. And if you have requests that you want your brothers and sisters to pray for you, we're willing to do that. Just write them down on any piece of paper and put them in the prayer boards this month and we'll be glad uh, to pray for you. There are standing orders and those standing orders are pray without ceasing. It doesn't matter what's going on in our life and it doesn't matter where we are spiritually. It's pray without ceasing. Before Hannah's barren womb was open, she offered very fervent and deep prayers. Before the drought was broken, Elijah had to pray. Before the lion's mouths were shut, there was a man who had spent a life in prayer. And before 3,000 souls responded to the gospel, the days before that, 120 disciples had been gathering together to pray. Great things have always happened when people have maintained a strong and close relationship with God through prayer. Let's sing a prayer and then let's have a prayer. The third standing order that we'll look at this morning is for us to be grateful, to be thankful in all circumstances. And it's not that everything around us is good, but it's because what has already happened for us and to us is so good that it's greater than anything that could happen to us. Weren't those announcements that were shared just a few moments ago uh, so encouraging and to think of Ray and Ryan and Angela and... Uh, and, and to clarify, many of you probably know, but Angela was baptized uh, several years ago. And she's a woman of great faith and, and strong conviction. And, and lately it has been uh, of a great concern if she had the right understanding and she wanted to make her calling and election sure. And so she was baptized last Thursday morning. 
And we're thankful for her. And we're thankful to be in a congregation that truly is committed to doing the will of God. Nothing more and nothing less. Just to simply do the will of God. And so when we think about in everything, give thanks. The Phillips translation would say, be thankful whatever the circumstance may be. And the CV would say, whatever happens, keep thanking God because of Jesus Christ. You know, there's not a story that's probably been told more often about gratitude than the story of the 10 lepers as we read in Luke, the 17th chapter. Leprosy is something because of modern day medicine and advancements that you and I probably are not as accustomed to it. And if we were, we would never forget if we stood face to face with someone who was in the advanced stages of leprosy. And here these individuals no doubt were quarantined. They were probably outside of the village and outside of the city and they were away from the crowd and they were away from the road and the pathways. And so they yelled at Jesus. They have no doubt heard of his power to heal. I don't know how much faith they had in the fact that he could, but nevertheless, they cry out, have mercy upon us. And so in the next verse, we see in verse 14 that he does and that they were cleansed. And then let's read in verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Are you grateful? For what? When's the last time you fell down to the ground to thank God for something? When's the last time you have glorified God and meant it with every ounce of your being because of your gratitude? for what God has done. Oh, I know there'd be many here that could say, I've done that this week. But let's all think, in a time where as a nation, there's a lot of emphasis placed this week on gratitude, and that's great. But as Christians, we have standing orders at all times to give thanks. So there was a penetrating question. It's really three questions that Jesus asked in 17 and 18 of Luke 17. Were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Do you see the implications? What's being implied here is the fact that there were 10 and nine of them were Jews and one was a Samaritan and they all were cleansed. And Jesus says, really? All 10 of them, eh? That's interesting because right here, giving thanks, it's none of, we would assume, religious people that were the Jews. It's this foreigner that most Jews would have considered a false religion that they would have followed. Isn't that interesting? The good religious people were healed and aren't to be found, and the one they would say is a foreigner is in bowing down. That's the very definition of worship, is bowing down in adoration before. He is here at my feet worshiping me. He's glorifying the Father, and he's thanking me. Where are the other nine? That's a question that ought to kind of run cold chills up and down our spine. Where are the nine if I'm one of them? Why wouldn't I be there every moment of every day giving God thanksgiving and giving him praise? Listen, God is sovereign. No matter what your banker has told you, 
you've got reason to rejoice. No matter what your stockbroker has told you, you've got reason to rejoice. It doesn't matter what your spouse has done. It doesn't matter what your children have done. It doesn't matter what your boss told you Friday. It doesn't matter what news you have gotten this week. Because of our Lord, we can always rejoice, always pray, and always do so with thanksgiving. Because what he did 2,000 years ago and what he's still doing today and the hope that he offers us tomorrow is greater than any announcement we've heard the last few weeks of our life. You know, we have a tradition around here and I want to encourage you to start today if you haven't already. I would guess that some of you probably have already started, but by Thursday, would you have you a list of 100 things? You could do 20 today, just writing down 20 things you're thankful for. Monday, write 20 more and don't duplicate any of Sundays. And Tuesday, add 20 more. And Wednesday, add 20 more. And get up on Thanksgiving Day and, and put on your last 20. But as you're doing it, will you really give thought to gratitude? This week, somebody asked me, they said, what's your favorite part of Thanksgiving? And I didn't have to hesitate. I said, other than seeing my family, it's the list of 100 things that we all share around the table together. I said, that is my favorite time of Thanksgiving. Listen, there's something beautiful about gratitude. There's something about gratitude that opens up our eyes. We see things that we would normally take for granted. And we appreciate things. It opens up our heart that we would normally take for granted. A man or a woman that's grateful can be fulfilled. A man or a woman that's not grateful will never have enough and will have an emptiness within their life. Listen, God was doing us a favor when God said, I want you to give thanks in all things. So we have standing orders, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Notice that last line, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If I just knew the will of God, I'd do it. I've got difficult decisions to make. I've got challenges that I'm facing. If I just knew the will of God, I would do it. Friends, we know the will of God. Rejoice always. Pray always. Give thanks always. This morning, if there's anything that we can do to help you find the only one that can bring joy into every aspect of your life, we would love to assist you. If you're ready to be immersed into Christ for the remission of your sins, if you have left that joy, and like David in the Old Testament, you would want to cry out, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, we would love to pray with you and for you. Let's be grateful. And let's share that life and that joy with everybody that we meet because we have a story worth telling. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing.